I would like you, if you would, to turn to the Gospel of John, and then just kind of set it aside. We're going to get there in a little while, but we're not going to get there right at the beginning. But I want you to, to be there when, we, uh, when we're ready. In fact, you could turn to John chapter 8 if you would like, because that's where we're going to go eventually. There are people who would say that for me to address the topic I'm going to address today is brave. In fact, somebody said that to me in between services, said, this is brave of you. It actually is not that brave. I like to talk to people who probably, believe, who probably believe pretty much what I believe doesn't take all that much guts. And they always say, of course, that one man's brave man is another man's fool. And so I don't know which I am this morning. Am I brave or entirely foolish? But we'll see. And I'm hoping that by the end you'll think something positive about what it is that we've discussed and maybe think that I'm not the fool, but indeed just brave. Like anybody who holds any specific idea to be true, Christians should have something to say to those who question us. Both those who question us because they're skeptical and those who question because they're seekers. And the fact is, this morning, we probably have both kinds here. Like, there's probably somebody here this morning who's a little bit skeptical. And I raise the question of truth, and you're going to think to yourself, truth As Pilate said, what is truth? It's probably somebody like that. There are others of you who would be really interested in the question of truth, but not so much because you're a skeptic, but because you're just a seeker. In fact, I would say that for some of us, this is important because it's our children who are seekers. And we know that our children have questions on their minds. In fact, I would say that our kids... And I don't mean just little kids, but eventually them too. Our kids probably have more questions on their minds than any generation in the history of the world. I don't think that that's an overstatement. Now, it doesn't mean that people haven't always asked questions. Pilate said, what is truth? Aristotle and Plato and lots of people were dealing with the question of truth a long time ago. So they're not the only ones who would ever deal with the question of truth. But I think the way that the question is framed today maybe is a little bit different than what has happened in history. And we just have to deal with this. Now, some questions are not so significant. Our children might ask, Daddy, did the cow really jump over the moon? And did the dish really run away with the spoon? And for most of us, we'd have an answer. Well, no, that didn't really happen. Or they could ask a much different kind of question. They might say, so who were the first people who lived in Canada? And we'd have some kind of answer. It'd be right for us to answer that kind of question. But then a question comes like this. And, and many of you, I'm sure, have been asked this kind of question because you know, they'll say, Mom, Dad, you know, wh- where do the trees come from? Well, God created the trees. You know, or where, you know where, did the, where did the sun come from? Well, God created the sun. Or maybe if you're not a theist, if you're not a Christian, you could say, well, it all came from a big bang billions of years ago. That's some kind of answer. But then, 
And you, what is the kid going to ask next? You know. They're going to say, oh yeah? Well, where did God come from? Who created God? And of course, we would like, as theists, to say to those who are Big Bang theorists or whatever, we might say to them, who created the Big Bang? Where did that come from? If that came out of things somehow generating power out of different chemical reactions or something, where did the chemicals come from? Where did the energy come from that creates the reaction? We would ask those kinds of questions. These are questions on our minds. And so our questions actually run a bit deeper than something like, did the cow really jump over the moon? And I'm grateful for that. In fact, our questions are deep enough then I'm not going to pretend in the next 25 minutes or so to really do them as much justice as they deserve. But I think that we have something that we can say that begins to move in the direction of answering some questions. And that's a good thing because God calls us to do just exactly that. Look at this text. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We looked at this last week. That's a reasonable expectation on God's part of us. And so I want to take some steps in the next eight weeks or so to deal with just exactly that. How is it that we can be better prepared? And this morning, I want to specifically deal with a certain kind of issue or a certain kind of question. And I would frame it something like this. Is there such a thing as truth? And is it important for us to think that there is? Now, it's interesting because 75 years ago or so, that is not the question that people would have been asking. 75 years ago, people were not saying, is there such a thing as truth and is it important? Instead, 75 years ago, people said, what is true? And how do we know? And those are completely different kinds of questions than asking whether or not there is truth at all. And the fact is, things have changed. Today, the question is, and it's fairly recent, is there such a thing as something that is ultimately true? Is something ultimately true? And an awful lot of people these days would be saying... Not necessarily. In fact, it's recognized today that even when it comes to science, conclusions are often dependent upon your perspective. And so people today would say something like this. The eyes through which you are seen are as crucial when it comes to reaching conclusions as what it is you're looking at. Okay? This is much more the the way that people are thinking. In fact, as I said, even in the case of scientific data. Because if I have certain data and I set it out there, 
Somebody has to look at that data. Somebody has to evaluate that data. Somebody's going to have to sort through that and make conclusions about that data. And when they do, they're going to look at it through their own eyes. I can't look at the data through your eyes. I can't see it exactly the way you see it. Your background and all that makes up who you are is going to cause you to look even at scientific data in a way that I can't look at it. And so if you and I happen to be doing a color study... We're looking at different colors. I'll tell you one of the things that will drastically change the way you look at the data, and that is if you happen to be colorblind. If you look at green and you're colorblind, and I look at green and I'm not colorblind, we will see green differently. It will not be the same. And you may well confuse it with red. That happens. And so we know that we can't necessarily trust our eyes to see the same exact thing, and certainly not when we have different kinds of experiences. Well, if this is the case with something as basic as that, then can we depend on anything being ultimately true? Or are the answers to all questions going to be suspect because they are being answered by people who cannot help but see things through only their own eyes? That's a reasonable question. And that is a question that is constantly framed, constantly asked within our world. And it leads us down a path that causes us to question the very notion of truth. And we see this all the time. We hear this all the time. So this morning, as we start this series in talking about some kind of defense of our faith, I want to deal with the question of truth today and ask the question whether or not this question that's on the screen right now, whether or not that makes the most sense or whether or not there's another way to look at this. Let me start by defining truth. And you might define truth differently. But I think that this definition of truth is true. Truth is the property that exists when a statement about reality corresponds adequately to reality, to the things it describes. In other words, truth is a relationship of correspondence between a statement about reality and reality itself. If I say the sky is blue, and it really is, then I've expressed something true. If the sky is not blue, and I say that it is, then I've expressed something false. If I say, there are a lot of people sitting in front of me right now, and a moment later I look back and you're all gone, maybe I'll think that the first time I didn't speak so much truth. But if I consistently see you in front of me the whole time that we're talking, I'm going to start to think that it's real, that you really are there. And that my statement of the fact that there are people sitting in front of me corresponds with reality. It's real. It's a real experience. You're there. And then I would say ultimate truth describes the way things are ultimately true. Ultimate truth describes the way things ultimately are. Thank you. Now, People could debate this, okay? Like you could read this definition and think to yourself, you know, actually I've got some philosophical problems with that. You know, I, I read a guy named Wittgenstein once and he said that, that it's not really that way. Okay, I get that. 
I understand that this could be debated. But for this morning, I think that this kind of works. That there is a notion about truth that corresponds to reality. Something corresponds to reality. Things are, in fact, real. Well, if that's the case, let's deal with that question. And it would seem to me that there are at least three possible ways of discussing the question about truth. The first one is this. We could say there is nothing that is ultimately true. There are only perspectives. And that's like what I was saying before, just the fact that we see things through our eyes, but everybody has their own set of eyes. And let me just say, and I'll say this kind of bluntly, and you might think, man, he's just really, you know, he's going to challenge so much that's questioned today. I think that this notion is incoherent. I think it's intellectually and rationally nonsense to say that there is nothing ultimately true. In fact, I would say that there's an incredible inconsistency here. And it's not hard to see why. Because when the statement is made, there is nothing that is ultimately true, there are only perspectives, the person who says that is thinking, what about that statement? That it's true. There is an inherent self-contradiction in the statement. They're expecting the notion of truth to somehow be true when they say it. So there's no set of circumstances or proposition about those circumstances that be called, can be called ultimately true. There are only perspectives. Is a ridiculous kind of statement. You have just made a proposition you believe is true. This is a truth claim. In other words, there is no such thing as truth must in order for you to be consistent, be your only opinion or someone's only opinion. This seems now like all of a sudden it has to be an opinion. But you've stated it as if it is a truth principle. And so there is something inherently self-contradictory there. Is it an opinion? Or is it true? My thought is it can't be both. But you have stated it as if it is, in fact, true. And so this, first of all, just looks to me like a totally stupid idea. And I don't want to act as though all those people who question the notion of truth are somehow stupid. That's not the point. But this is, in fact, not a reasonable idea because it's self-contradictory. Now, the fact is that's not the only problem with this statement. And we could go into all kinds of reasons why I think that's not the only problem with this statement. For example, we could talk about how the idea that there is no ultimate truth leads ultimately to social and intellectual anarchy. You know, some people will say, everybody has their own truth, and because we all have our own truth, we should be able to just get along because we're going to recognize that we all have our own truth. And so if we all have our own truth and we admit that about each other, we will not judge each other. We're not going to look down on each other. There'll be no prejudice against each other because we just accept what everybody says as being true. 
Well, that works for about five minutes in, real, in the real world in terms of helping people to get along. What it really does is it ends up with all kinds of people, with all kinds of different competing ideas. They're constantly trying to impress or bring about their ideas in contrast to those others. And we end up with, like I said, with what I would call social anarchy. It just doesn't work. Another thing that it does, unfortunately, too, is that it ultimately leads people to despair. What if there's absolutely nothing that is true? What if there's no ultimate truth at all? If that's the case, then I actually can't accept as true the notion that you are sitting there. Like I could be absolutely mistaken about the fact that you're in front of me right now. It may be that I'm not even talking. I just think I'm talking. But about that, I could be wrong. And in fact, we could be wrong about everything. I, I think I told you one time, my little sister, when we were about 10 years old or something like that, she looked at me one day and she said, have you ever thought about the fact that you might be crazy and nobody has told you? <laughs> like, she's like 10 and she's saying this to me. And you know what I'm thinking? Maybe I'm crazy. She's trying to let me know. She's trying to clue me in here that I'm absolutely bonkers and nobody's telling me. Mom and dad are totally fooling me. She's the only one who's going to let me in on the secret. Well, it's kind of like that. If there is nothing ultimately true, then I don't even know whether I'm standing here. And I don't know what love is, and I don't know what relationship is, and I don't know what it means to have meaning or purpose or anything else if there's no ultimate truth. So there's a host of problems that go along with this notion that there is simply nothing that is ultimately true. I don't want to go there. So let's set that one aside. Let's go with a different opinion. What if we said this? There's more than one ultimate truth. There's more than one ultimate truth. And I thought a lot about this one this week. And here's what I think. I think that that idea is no more intellectually or rationally coherent than the first. Having more than one ultimate set of circumstances that are true requires that there have to be at least two things that are totally mutually exclusive. Because you can't have two sets of absolutely total reality. Like, if, if our universe is real, and all of everything that, there, that is existing is real, then that's the way things are. You can't have another entire set of the way things really are. Things have to be ultimately some way. And so you say things are ultimately this way. I say things are ultimately different than that. One of us is right or both of us are wrong. But we can't both be right. We can't both be talking about that which is ultimately true and finally the case and both of us be right. And so if you say there is a creator God and I say that the universe is eternal, they can't both be true. 
I could say all swans are white and all swans are black. And you'd think that doesn't make any sense. And I would agree. I could say all swans are white, but white doesn't exist. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I could say matter is eternal and matter had an origin. No, that doesn't make any sense. There is a God. There is no God. Which is it? They can't both be true. There is one eternal God. There are three eternal gods. No, I don't think so. It doesn't cohere. It just doesn't make sense. Especially not if I say God is like this, A, and God is like this, B. But then I say A and B are mutually exclusive. You can't have it both ways. It just doesn't work. What if I said to you, nothing I say is true. Just think about that for a second. What if I said, everything I say is a lie? Doesn't work. Something isn't cohering there when I make those kind of statements. This morning, I offhand, just coincidentally, made a comment to somebody. I said, you could, you could not possibly be as stupid as I think you are. I was kidding, but I did say that. And then I thought afterwards, it fits perfectly into my sermon. It doesn't make any sense. You could not possibly be as stupid as I think you are. Well, if I think you're that stupid, then... no, it doesn't work. So it seems to me then that it's a very reasonable thing to think that we can't have more than one ultimate truth. Things are, in fact, one way when it comes to reality. And so that's the third thing that I would say. There is only one set of circumstances that is ultimately true. There is one reality comprised of that which is real. One way in which everything actually is, even if we don't know what that is. And it just doesn't make any sense to me that things would be different than what I just said. Now, this is the same as saying that there can only be one of everything or one way of everything being real. Okay? There's only one way that everything can be real. And that is the way things really are, that is reality. But that is not the same and we will get to this question eventually, maybe even as early as next week, that's not the same as saying that there is only one way to God. This is not the way, the same thing as saying there is one God only. I'm actually not making a religious claim this morning. I do believe those things, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm talking about this morning is some kind of philosophical truth. It's a scientific truth. It's a claim that seems to me, by necessity, has to be accepted by all rational persons. If you don't accept this, it seems to me something isn't exactly consistent in your thinking. The universe did not arise in 15 or 100 or 1,000 ways. All reality arose in only one 
way. If you say, well, it could have been this, it could have been this. It's one of those. At the moment that we say it was this way, it rules out all others. And so it seems to me then there has to be ultimate truth. Either there is God, whatever that means for today, who is the source of real circumstances and all that is, or there is not God. But only one of those situations is real and true. The other is false. One time Jane Fonda was being interviewed, some of you are old enough to remember like me, Dick Cavett. Remember Dick Cavett? Dick Cavett was interviewing Jane Fonda. At the same time, and I don't know how he got these on the same stage, the Archbishop of Canterbury is there with Jane Fonda. And the Archbishop of Canterbury, they they had some discussion going on, and the Archbishop of Canterbury says, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Jane Fonda looks at the Archbishop of Canterbury, and she, you know, you can just see her. If you know anything about Jane Fonda, you can see her saying something like this. She looks at the Archbishop and says, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me, and it's not true for everybody else. And the Archbishop looked back at her and said something that made total sense to me. He looked at Jane Fonda, and he said, well, either he is or he isn't. And that makes, to me, total sense. There is a reality about who Jesus is. And you can't have it both ways. He cannot be the Lord of the universe and the Son of God, the ultimate reality, and at the same time, not exist, for example. Or not be those things. Either he is or he isn't. And so what I would say this morning is not only are the things that we've been talking about true of the natural world, but that they're also true of the supernatural world, of the divine world world. Either is there is one God, or there are multiple gods, if you define them in a certain way, or no God. But you can't have all of those be true. You can't have multiple divine realities that are all ultimately true. There is only one way that things can be with, respectable, with respect to both the natural and the supernatural world. So that's my claim this morning when it comes to truth, that there is, in fact, something that's true and reality, whatever that is, is it. And there is no other reality. Now, given all of that, here's something I think is true of Christians. I think that we are compelled to talk about reality or the way that things actually are. I think we're compelled to do this. Now, I happen to think that that's the case because of who God has made us. I think he has made us curious creatures. I think he's made us the kind of people who will ask these kinds of profound questions. And I actually think it's really good that we ask these kinds of questions. I encourage us to ask these kinds of questions. I think it adds to our existence. I think we're more fully human when we ask these kinds of questions. So I'm glad that we do so. I think it's good that we're compelled, I think by God, but at least by something to ask these kinds of questions. But then beyond that, what I think is so great about Christianity is that we actually attempt to answer these kinds of questions. We actually explore them and are interested in these kinds of questions. We really are interested. 
God created us that way. So when we say, what is true? And how do we know it? And is there something beyond the natural? And why are we here? And do we have purpose? Does life have meaning? One of the things about our faith is that Christianity attempts to answer those questions along with all those ultimate questions about God and whether or not he's real and whether or not he's true. Now, of course, other religions attempt to do the same. Other philosophies out there, they're all, in one sense, trying to answer the same kinds of questions. One of the things I think is interesting is that not all religions, in fact, most major religions, don't think that we all have some purchase on the truth. Like sometimes we act as though Christianity is the only faith in the world where we condemn others and say we're the only way. Like do we realize that everybody does this? All the major religions are making claims about what they think is true. They all think that they have the truth. And so do we. The question is, and and for the morning, the question is not whether or not there's truth. I think we've established that. The question is, is there reason to think that maybe one of these is in fact true? Now, I don't want to go into it too much this morning. I think there are big problems with some of the other faiths and the claims that they make about reality. But one of the things that seems to me that has to be true, and that is that they are, in fact, mutually exclusive. The claims that they make, including Christianity, about ultimate reality, can't all be true. They cannot cohere. They do not fit together. And so I am grateful that we, as a group of Christians, are compelled to talk about the question of truth and think that we actually have something to say about it. And so I would say this about our faith. Christianity does make a clear claim about what is true. Which is to say, Christianity does make a claim about reality. We say, this is the way things are. And we shouldn't back away from that. We think something's true. And I'm glad that we do. Now, I want you to look at John chapter 8. Christianity teaches that the Bible, or the Bible teaches, I should say, that there is God. That he's the God of Israel, that he has a son, Jesus Christ, that there's a Holy Spirit. That's what Christianity teaches. It also says some things specifically about truth. I want you to look at John chapter 8, verse 32. We'll start, I'll start with verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, and notice it says they believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then he says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we could debate all day about what the truth is there that Jesus is talking about. I think he's referring to himself. But there's one thing you can't debate. You can't debate whether or not Jesus thought that something was true. He thought that there was truth. 
and that that truth would do something in our lives when we learned about what was true. And so at the very least, if you're going to be a Christian and follow the teachings of Jesus, you're going to have to conclude that there is truth. I don't see any way around that if you're going to read John chapter 8, verse 32. Now I want you to look at these other passages. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. We've just said that Jesus says that there's truth. We've just concluded, actually, I think to my own satisfaction anyway, that there is ultimate truth. And look at verse 9 of chapter 1. Verse 8 says, He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. That's talking about John the Baptist. And then it says, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. When it says the true light there, In English, what it says in Greek is that the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. It says the exact same thing. There's no problem with the translation here. The word true is being used. It says there is a true light. And in fact, this passage is making the claim that Jesus is this true light. Now look at verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Any doubts about who that is? We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. And what does it say about this one who came? Full of grace and truth. We love the grace part because it looks like we can get along with everybody if we're gracious. But this says he came full of grace and truth. And it's because he is the truth and expresses the truth. He reveals the truth. And I just don't see any way around the fact that he's making a statement not in some provisional way. He's making an ultimate statement here about truth. Not truth for you, but not truth for me. He's making a statement about what is ultimately true. He comes as the truth, it says. Then flip over to chapter 14 in the same book. John chapter 14. And you know this passage very well. John chapter 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you know, everybody hates that second part. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. But it is absolutely predicated on the first part. That he is the way and the truth and the life. And if what he says is true, that he is in fact the truth, then the second part isn't something that we even have the right to shy away from. Not intellectually. Because if he is in fact the truth, then nobody comes to the Father except through him. And that's not my opinion. Not if he is the truth. Then that logically, rationally, makes total sense. Like you'd have to be rationally inconsistent 
to believe that Jesus is not the only way if the first part of the sentence is true. And so if he is the way, the truth, and the life, then I'll tell you what, nobody can come to the Father except through him. And it's not just a Christian opinion. If this is who Jesus is, then this is simply a fact. It makes total rational sense for that to be the case. Now I want you to look at John 18. And we go to the question that Pilate asked. We'll kind of finish with this today. Pilate is so famous for this one line where Jesus is standing in front of Pilate and Jesus makes some claims and Pilate says in verse 38, what is truth? And it's been debated ever since exactly what Pilate was trying to say. Was he being cynical? Was he being sincere and he didn't get it? What's going on? Why does he say, what is truth? Well, it It's a reasonable question, but that's not the important part of this section. I want you to look at verse 37. This is where the importance lies. You are a king, says Pilate. And Jesus answered, you're right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world. What does he say? To testify to the truth. And then he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. You know, I love the fact that he didn't say, everybody who listens to me is on the side of truth. It's a different question, or it's a different answer. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I love the way it's framed because everybody wants to know what the truth is. That's what it means almost to be a human, to ask the question about what is ultimately true. We like that question. And Jesus says, if that's where you're at, then listen to me. Because I've got it. In fact, he would say, I am it. And that, to me, intellectually coheres. This fits. There's something reasonable and rational that absolutely makes sense to me about all of this. This seems to me a reasonable way of looking at things. Is it rational to believe that God actually exists? We're actually going to look at that question next week. But if it's true, then this all coheres. And the very notion of truth itself coheres, I think, with the notion of God. One last thing I want to do this morning, and that is simply this. I want to give you this reference And if you just listen to the podcast, maybe you'll get it. You don't have to necessarily write this down. You can go to the podcast and uh, listen to it on the website. But I really encourage, if you're into books at all, A Place for Truth, edited by Dallas Willard. There is um, a, a group of people called the Veritas Forum. The word Veritas means in Latin means truth. And what happened was that several years ago, I think it was in 1992, there was a young lady who was studying at Harvard, 
And she was frustrated because her profs at Harvard and the whole university environment wasn't really asking questions about truth. They could tell her about economics and they could talk about world policy and they could talk about psychology and lots of things, but they couldn't really talk about truth and it was frustrating for her. And she was a Christian. So she started this Veritas Forum where they invited speakers, authorities from all kinds of different intellectual disciplines to come and talk about truth at Harvard. And then, because it was so popular, it did so well, it just expanded. Now there have been Veritas Forums across North America. Pepperdine University, associated with Churches of Christ, has had four of these, where they've had prominent speakers come in and talk about God and truth and all these profound issues from a Christian perspective in the university climate, in the university community. And what Dallas Willard does is he takes what he sees as the very best and most important Veritas discussions, of which there have been hundreds now, and he brings them together in one volume. And so the great questions like, is there truth? Or does God exist? Or is the Bible true and defensible? Is it historical? Those kinds of questions. Willard brought all of these together. Now, you have to know Dallas Willard. He's a philosopher, taught at the University of Southern California. He just died in the last year or so. A prominent Christian writer, but a philosopher first in many ways. He, intellectually, he was a philosopher. And he brought all of this together in one book, great, great book, with many significant, prominent intellectuals dealing with the most profound questions and giving great answers. And so I encourage you to look at, if you're interested, A Place for Truth, edited by Dallas Willard. We're gonna, I'm going to continue to use that book. It's been really uh, important to me. And we're going to continue to sort through these questions. What I hope today is that if nothing else, if you were able to kind of hang with me here, that you've been able to see that a person can actually think about this question, is there truth? In a reasonable way and in a faithful way where we can be both really good with our intellects and at the same time absolutely faithful with our hearts. And God's going to continue to bless us, I think, in this study as we pursue those ends. Pray with me, please. Lord, I just want to thank you for the privilege we've had this morning of thinking together about maybe the most profound question of all. And Father, I'm grateful that you put up with us as we think about these questions. Help us to to be absolutely faithful and at the same time seek understanding. Bless us as we do. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.